thank the preacher sure is a joy get to be back home during these days and thank God for his faithfulness and appreciate the good singing this evening already and thank God for the encouragement and a dear brother thank you for that word of testimony that blessed my heart and it sure is a blessing to be uh, just in the midst uh, in, in the house of God with the dear man of God and his wife that have labored these years and uh, for the Lord and not fainted and that's a blessing to us dear preacher thank you uh, for that word and what a blessing it is to be involved in supporting missionaries around the world and um it really is being in the ministry. Uh, it's a blessing uh, to see churches like ours. Uh, but I tell you, it's a blessing to have a part in giving the missions. And uh, Brother Gravel, I mean it, one of the greatest privileges. And uh, I really believe is just the opportunity to be a part of a church that gives to the work of worldwide evangelism. And I thank God for it. I praise His name. And that's what it's all about. Amen. Getting the gospel to those that have never heard. If you have your Bibles tonight... Um, like you to turn uh, to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter fourteen. John chapter fourteen, and um, would appreciate you praying for Molly. She had a surgery on her foot uh, last week, and so she is recovering. The Lord is helping her, and uh, God is God is doing a work there. And uh, but it sure is a blessing when God opens the door and allows us to be back home for a little bit. It's refreshing to our hearts, and we thank God uh, for what He's doing. John chapter 14, John chapter 14, and we'll pray real quick and ask God for His touch and His blessing on the reading and preaching of His Word. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you know, God, how undeserving, Lord, that I am, Lord, to stand behind the sacred desk and preach the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray, God, that this evening, Lord, that you would help me. Lord, I stand, dear Father, where my flesh has failed you before. And Lord, without your touch, you will surely do it again. And Lord, I, I know, Lord, that based on the authority of your word, I, there's no sufficiency in me. Lord, I'm not sufficient of myself. Lord, I need your touch. And so, Father, I pray, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, you'd order our steps in your word. Father, that you would order, dear Lord, every word that's said, that it be to the honor and glory and praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, Father, I pray, God, that you'd bless the preaching, the reading, and the expounding of your word. God, I pray that you would give us an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit of God has to say. Lord, will you help me, God? Will you help me, Lord, have a clear mind and a clean heart? And, Father, I pray that Christ would be glorified. Oh, God, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would do a work in the hearts. Lord, those that are grieving in our midst. Lord, those that are facing, uh, Lord, troubles. And, and trials and then Father you know Lord that what we're going to face this week we don't know what we'll face but you know and Father I'm glad dear Father you're already there and God you are able Lord to do exceeding and abundantly above all we could ever ask or think so Father we trust you and Lord we commit Lord this time to you in Jesus name Amen and amen. John chapter 14. And we'll begin reading here in verse 1. If you want to stay in the reverence, the reading of the word of God if you're able. John chapter 14. And we'll begin reading here in the first verse. Christ is uh, giving the disciples uh, some bedrock principles for them to continue on. They're getting ready to face some dark days in uh, their near future. And uh, they're not quite uh, at a place where they understand it all yet. But the Lord already knows what they're going to face before they ever face it. And so God begins to give the disciples some, some bedrock principles here in these uh, chapters uh, 14 and 15 all the way into 16. And if God will help us tonight, uh, we'll do our best to look at these uh, precious promises from the Word of God. Christ talking to the disciples here, the remaining hours of His ministry, He said these words, Let not your heart 
be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We'll skip over here to verse 13. And Christ said, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And then we see in verse 26, he said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, Whatsoever I have said unto you. You can go ahead and be seated this afternoon. And we'll read a couple more passages of scripture in uh, the time ahead of us with the Lord's help. But in these chapters, John 14 and 15, even going into the 16th chapter, Christ is giving the disciples uh, three major reasons. You can find several more in here uh, through a careful reading of the chapters. But there's three major reasons why the disciples are told and instructed in this chapter to not have a troubled heart. Christ said, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, that's not to say, Brother Sam, that we're not going to face troubles in this walk of life. You can mark it down. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. We're going to face troubles. It's not going to say we're not going to face trials and tribulations for we are told by the Lord that with much tribulation ye shall enter the kingdom of God. Those are to be expected. But there is something that Christ is instructing the disciples here as they are getting ready to face the darkest days of their life and no doubt there'll be many more trials and temptations ahead but they're getting ready to watch the Son of God go to Calvary and be wounded for their transgressions and bruised for their iniquities they haven't put it all together yet and it will be after the resurrection before they really are able to put the prophecies together with the promises of Christ and understand what has transpired in these days but even though they don't understand what's getting ready to happen God is giving them instructions to let not your heart be troubled. Preacher, I realize here that this is a decision that the disciples are going to have to make. They're going to have to make up their mind that they are not allowing their heart to be troubled by the circumstances of life. And Christ gave them this command. Let not your heart be troubled. And here's why. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he said in verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. The mansions are already there. Now I know there's been some good 
good southern gospel. Well, not, I mean, not good southern gospel songs, rather. Uh, that, uh, there are not too many of them, but, you know. Anyway, there's, they, these weren't too good, Brother Sam. And they talk about how Jesus is going to build mansions. And, and, I mean, they sounded good, but it's not biblical. Because according to the Word of God, the mansions are already there. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, I don't know if that does anything for you, but that sure does bless my heart, realizing the eternal security of the born-again believer. I mean, Brother Sam, the mansions are already there. I don't understand it all, but Christ looked at those disciples and He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, He said, I would have told you. But look at what He said in the words there in the ending of verse 2. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now the mansions are there, but there's a place that he is going to prepare. He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, in verse 3 he said, I will come again. If I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know. And the way you know. I'd say the first reason this evening that as a born again believer we do not have to have a troubled heart. And no doubt uh, there's been plenty of times I've had one but I didn't have to. And I sure thank the Lord we don't have to have a troubled heart. The first reason why we don't have to dear friend is this simple fact. Oh but it's a precious promise. Jesus is coming again. I mean dear friend he hasn't left us comfortless. He has not left us. He will come again. He said if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself. Looking back at the Jewish wedding in light of what's taking place in John chapter 14 no doubt this is where the disciples minds would have been drawn to during this time. Christ has already handed them uh, that cup there and told them that it was a it was a it was a uh, represented rather the, the blood that he would shed there in, in the hours per, uh, to come and in that Jewish wedding in that mindset when that when that bridegroom would ask that young lady to be his bride to be his wife that's kind of how that marriage contract would often um, come about in the Jewish custom of the day that young man would take that a cup of pure unfermented grape juice the fruit of the vine and he would take that and give that to that young lady and she recognized that it was symbolic of his willingness to shed his blood for her if need ever required him. Brother Sam, if she partook of that cup, if she accepted that cup and, and drank the contents of that, she was accepting his marriage proposal. Now the wedding had not happened yet. The celebration had not transpired. But dear friend, without them ever signing a marriage contract, without her, him ever putting a ring on her hand, they were just as good as married. She had accepted his proposal. So you can imagine when Christ uh, takes that cup and tells the disciples to drink Drink all of it. And he tells them that this is my blood of the New Testament that is shed for many. In their mind, they immediately begin to think about the marriage contract and how that is an eternal contract. This is something that is meant to last a lifetime. And since they're making the contract with the one who never dies, since they're making the contract with the eternal God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, you talk about an everlasting contract taking place. And Christ 
Jesus looks at the disciples and here's the amazing thing that would transpire during those days. Once that young lady would accept that cup and accept that young man's proposal to be willing to lay his life down and to defend her and to protect her and to be her husband, there was some things that would immediately take place upon her exception of that marriage contract. Now you would think you would go ahead and start planning the wedding, but it wouldn't work exactly like that. Immediately that bridegroom-to-be would have to go away. He would be forced to leave his bride there at her father's house. He would have to go to another country. He'd have to go back home to his father. And what he was doing at his father's house, he was preparing a bridal chamber. He was preparing a place. He was preparing a place for her to make herself ready for the wedding. Now, this is not where they were going to live. But Sam, this is not uh, where they were going to spend their entire life together. This was simply a place of preparation for the wedding celebration. That's all it was. And that young man would go and he would begin construction of this bridal chamber. As he constructed it, he really did not have a definite time frame that he could even give his bride. Now, I used the word a bridegroom to be a minute ago, but that is not 100% factual. They're as good as married. Now, they haven't had the wedding yet. But you see, dear friend, she's already partaken of that cup. They're as good legally. They are as good as married. That's what was going on with Mary and Joseph there. They were already betrothed. They hadn't come together yet. They hadn't had the marriage ceremony. But from a legal standpoint, they were as good. I mean, that was his wife. And dear friend, even though he had left his wife behind and he was in a different place back at his father's house, he was there working and constructing and building this place under the supervision of his father. That's why he could not give a definite answer. He could not give a definite time of return about whenever he would come back to get her because he himself did not know. He was working as fast as he could, as hard as he could, and maybe daddy would walk out there on the front porch one day and say son you're doing good but you got a little bit longer to go we have a little bit more work to be done and dear friend I promise you as the days went by the anxiety and the anxiousness of that young man would increase and and he was striving and working all he could think about was his bride that he had left behind and so you would imagine that the same thing would be going on back there at her house but with her father where she's waiting not knowing the day not knowing the hour when he's gonna come and when he is going to take her to the wedding. But yet she's preparing and he's preparing. And once that place is, is, is completed and it meets the father's approval, that young man's daddy walk off on the front porch of that house and say, son, it looks pretty good. It looks just exactly like it ought to. Go get your bride. And I promise you, Brother Sam, he wasn't even spending time to put his tools away. He was heading back to go get his bride. And this is what they would do in that uh, cultural time of the day. He would go ahead and he would gather together his friends. And it kind of like, you know, you have best men in a wedding. Well, that's who he'd gather together. He'd get them together. And they would go and they would prepare and make the journey back there to where his bride uh, was living at her father's house. And they would wait till the midnight hour 
tower and encamp around that home. They all had their trumpets, their ram's horns in their hand. And at midnight, in the middle of the night, they'd blow those trumpets. And preacher, he would literally, he wasn't knocking on the front door saying, I've I've come uh, to take my wife. Would you please? No, dear friend. He literally kidnapped her. He was busting the window in and he was kidnapping his bride. And they're gone. Now, young men, you better not try that here in the day we're living. You're bound to be shot, okay? But nonetheless, that's how they would do it. And that father was expecting that just as well as that bride. Oh, my, Brother Terry, I tell you something that's amazing. Nobody really knew what happened except the bride. Everyone, I mean, they heard a commotion. They may have heard the trumpet. They didn't know what happened until morning time. And the bride is gone. She's gone. He didn't come for anybody else's bride. He didn't come for anybody else's family. But he came to get his bride and they're gone. And you see, dear friend, what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling uh, the disciples here in this chapter. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, the mansions are already there. Eternity is already set. I mean, eternity set in motion. I tell you, endless ages will be praising His name. Thank God it's already what it's going to be. God knew before the foundation of the earth. I can't explain it. But God said, heaven's already prepared. But I'm going to prepare a place. For you. I'm going to prepare a bridal chamber. Now I'll tell you what's amazing. As he would bring his bride back there to that bridal chamber. For seven days. She is there in that bridal chamber under Jewish custom. Preparing herself. And making herself ready. For the wedding. Because there's always the possibility. She wasn't prepared back there at daddy's home. But she has seven days. Where she is prepared for that wedding. And after the seven days are accomplished. Then she is brought forth and the marriage takes place and the rejoicing. And they go riding off into the sunset and enjoy life for the glory of God. Dear friend, as a born-again believer though, oh, I tell you, I see some similarities. I mean, it had to be more than just a coincidence. Christ surely, surely is painting a powerful picture, is he not? For these disciples who are about ready to have everything they've ever put their hope in, everything they've ever counted on, everything they've ever lived for is going to be shattered in just a moment. And Christ in his love and in his mercy and foreknowledge is letting them know exactly what's getting ready to take place. Let not... Your heart be troubled. Dear friend, if you've been born again by the grace of God, we are part of the bride of Christ. Oh, dear friend, what an amazing privilege it is to be a born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved tonight, if you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, then dear friend, God has made an everlasting covenant with you. He said, I'm the Lord. He said, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. He's the everlasting God, dear friend. He faileth not. His mercies are new every morning. Without by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And now entereth within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus Christ, 
made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I'm glad we have, dear friend, an unchangeable promise. It's impossible for God to lie. And this is what he said. He said, my sheep, he said, they hear my voice. And he said, I know them. And he said, they follow me. And he said, I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He said, my father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And just in case, Brother Sam, just in case, the JWs and the Mormons will go ahead and try to run away with that. Christ went ahead and just cleared, I mean, cleared it all up. He said, I and my father are one. Not only are they in Christ's hand, but they're in his father's hand. And in case you were wondering, he said, I and my father are one. No man shall pluck them out of my hand. I give unto them eternal life. We've been given, dear friend, an eternal promise. Oh, I thank the Lord that you shall never perish. For God so loved the world, John 3, verse 16, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, there's a lot of things I fear in life. There are. And God has to help me. I know God's not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. But there's some things I fear in life. And about sure I am glad I don't have to fear ever perishing. I sure am glad I don't ever have to fear the flames of hell. I sure am thankful I don't ever have to fear the judgment of a righteous and holy God. I'm thankful Christ took my sin debt on Calvary. Christ paid my sin debt. And I shall never perish because I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, as the bride of Christ this evening, we have an eternal promise. And you know what we're looking for as born again believers? We're, we are listening for the trumpet and we're looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. They asked Paul, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And now the blessed hope, dear friend, that's the catching away of believers. And I'm glad, Brother Logan, at any moment... We could hear that trumpet sound. I mean, it could happen tonight before this service is ever over, before we ever have another funeral, before, dear friend, we ever have another sad phone call. That trumpet could sound, and we'll be with the Lord, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And dear friend, just as that bride would spend seven days in that bridal chamber preparing herself when God catches us away we're heading to the judgment seat and for seven years while the world experiences tribulation oh if you're lost this evening you better get right with God you better get saved there'll be no hope there'll be no help during the tribulation time but while the world is experiencing seven years of tribulation it all will be in the presence of our Savior for some of us many of us and that part will not be a joyous occasion there's a whole lot of things to get right as we stand face to face with our Savior. Oh, dear friend, but I sure am glad I'm not looking for the tribulation to start. I'm looking for the trumpet to sound. And dear friend, after that seven years of tribulation down here and those years of the judgment seat of Christ, prophetically the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place. And what Christ is telling the disciples is simply this. I'm likening my work to the work of a bridegroom. If I'm going to go away, that means beyond a shadow of a doubt, 
without any reservation or any question, I will come again. I will come again. And dear friend, this evening, by God's grace, we don't have to live with a troubled heart because we know that Jesus is coming again. Lastly, the Lord told the disciples, He said in verse 16, He said, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye have known Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Verse 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And I tell you, the second reason why we don't have to have a troubled heart. Thank God Jesus is coming again. But dear friend, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, is the reason that a born-again believer does not have to have a troubled heart. I'm glad that God has left us a comforter. He said in verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, look what He's going to do. He shall teach you all things, and shall bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said in chapter 16, verse 12, He said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot hear it now. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for He shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Brother Sam, I tell you, it sure is a blessed reality the times when I've needed direction from God's Word. The times I've needed comfort. The times you and I both, dear friend, tonight have needed something from God and opened up the precious pages of His Word. And the Holy Spirit of God has done, Brother Terry, in our hearts what we could never do for ourselves. What a message or a word of encouragement cannot accomplish. The Word of God and the comforting power of the Holy Ghost has accomplished in our hearts. I'm glad tonight that in the midst of a world full of trouble, full of confusion, full of heartache and pain, God said, I will not leave you comfortless. Oh, He said, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you comfortless. I will come again. And then lastly, I say the reason, dear friend, why we ought not to have a continued troubled heart. Look at verse 3 of chapter 15, the Lord Jesus told the disciples, He said in verse 2, He said, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. But look what He said in verse 3. He said, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, 
you can do nothing. And I tell you the simple and sad reality of our day. Many who know the Lord as their Savior, many who have been saved by God's grace, are trying to live a victorious Christian life apart from the pages of the Word of God. And that is an impossibility. We wonder why we struggle sometimes the way we do. We wonder why we doubt. Well, we wonder why sometimes it seems like the besetting sin in the temptation is more than we can handle. We wonder why sometimes our consistency in the things of God, it seems like we can never just consistently live for the Lord. We wonder why it seems like at times that there's no hope and there's no help. Dear friend, Christ is explaining to the disciples why they should not have a troubled heart. And he goes in to tell them, yes, there's going to be trouble, but you have to abide in me. You're not bringing forth fruit, Brother Sam, unless you abide in the vine. Brother Black, if we're not abiding in the vine, if we're not, dear friend, feasting on the good grace of God, if we're not living in fellowship with our Savior, Jesus said, I am the vine. He said, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And that's God's will for every believer here tonight is to bring forth much fruit. That's God's will for us. But oftentimes, we bring forth so little fruit. Sometimes folks have to clean their eyeglasses and put them back on just to see if we're even living a Christian life. And I wonder if the world has such a hard time seeing the difference between a Christian and not a Christian. I wonder if we're really fulfilling what God's called us to do. Dear friend, God's called us and ordained us to bring forth fruit. But it's impossible to bear fruit apart from the Word of God. You recognize that the promise of Christ's coming, the comforting power of the Holy Spirit, and the cleansing of the Word of God is all that a believer needs to live in victory in this life of setbacks and sorrows. Christ has given the disciples everything they need to face the darkest hours of their life and to face it, dear friend, with victory in Jesus. He said, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. We don't have to have a troubled heart. Jesus is coming again. Thank God for the comforter. But dear friend, you may be battling the flesh this evening. It may seem like the harder you try, the harder it gets. And our flesh is that way. The world and its wickedness is harder and harder for a Christian to live sanctified and set apart with a clean mind and a clean heart in the day we're living. It's harder than it ever has been. I believe that. I believe that. But dear friend, Christ said, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And you know, no matter what the battle with the flesh may be, I'm glad that because of the cleansing power of the word of God, We do not have to live with a troubled heart concerning the besetting sins in our life. God has given us the victory. The question tonight for some is are we going to walk in the light that God's given us? Are we going to take God at His word? Are we? We have a choice. The disciples had a choice. And it took, dear friend, Calvary. It took many years before they fully recognized everything. But I'm glad that Christ had given them all the way back there before they ever faced their time of trial. He had given them everything they needed to go on for God. And dear friend, I want to challenge you tonight. I need this challenge myself. There's been so many times in trying to live for the Lord 
I've realized, preacher, that the battle was greater than I could ever bear. And I sure am glad that God has given me the pages of His precious Word. Listen, David said it's a lamp unto my feet. He said it's a light unto my path. He said the entrance to thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away. He said, but my words shall not pass away. 2 Corinthians 2, 17, the word of God said, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And tonight, dear friend, you may have walked in these doors with a troubled heart. Got folks in my family tonight need a touch from heaven. Brother Gravely, I have, I have things I'm facing that if God doesn't do a work, you do too, preacher, if God don't help us. There's no hope for the situation. Got lost loved ones, have said no to God longer than I've been alive. I want to see them saved. We got dear folks in the church tonight that are heartbroken and grieving. Not sorrowing as those that have no hope, but dear friend, they're sorrowing. I'm glad tonight that God has given us everything we need. And dear friend, it may be getting up a little bit earlier this week than we normally do and spending an hour more than we normally have. But dear friend, we need to get back to our Bible. We need to get back to the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. Any trouble you and I face between here and heaven, Christ has the answer. And it's right here in His Word. He hadn't left us comfortless. He's coming again. We don't have to live with a troubled heart. Let not, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Jesus said, believe also in me. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you know, Father, where we are. And God, what we are, what we need. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, in your mercy, God, you would help us. Lord, I love my church. I thank you, Lord, for my pastor. I thank you, Lord, for the saints of God. Lord, I thank you for our dear missionary brother, Lord, in the years of service, Lord, that he's blazed a trail for the gospel. Father, tonight, dear Lord, we need your help. Father, we can't continue on without your touch. And Lord, I want to thank you. Lord, that you have given us everything we need to live in victory until you return. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to trust you. God, to take your word. And Lord, to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I want to thank you. We can trust you. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name.